Ladies and gentlemen, we're shoveling. This is the growing season, brought to you by News Talk. It's like a 9.60 a.m. I'm Matt McFarland. Pleased, as usual, to be joined by the pair that you love and know well. Mom and Dad, Jack and Lynn, guys, how are you? I'm Jack, Matt. It's good, thank God. Mom, Lynn? I'm fine, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Lynn. <laughs> good. For sure. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. Follow along with us, GrowingSeasonCanada.com is the website. You are going to need that for this one, but you basically need it every single stinking week. All right. We have been doing the growing season now for over a year on radio, and somewhere along the way, we kept noticing trends of us beginning to categorize and catalog plants by color. So one of the three of us recently said, wait a second, why don't we do something called the color series? And I think it's a cool idea in that when this is all said and done, you'll be able to go to a specific part of our website and just click on the color series and you can literally look at there's a podcast for if you want red there's a podcast for if you want purple there's a podcast for if you want blue so i thought it would be a great thing for the website right guys yes sure and yeah. and again matt yeah. we could eventually just could just keep continuing on and on year to year because we can just keep adding to say whatever color you want to choose for that week i think it's great okay yeah. so again show bits is going to be a big one and after this show's airs it, this will this show will be podcasted and dropped into show bits, but we're also going to have a separate section called the color series. Okay, she's Lynn, he's Jack, I'm Matt. Strap in, we're getting yellow this week. This is part <laughs> one of the color series on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. And we're back. GrowingSeasonCanada.com is the website. This, in fact, is the growing season on News Talk Saga 960 AM. Many thanks to those at News Talk Saga 960 AM, not the least of which is Jody Panu, the owner, operator, boss lady there. She's fantastic and has been so supportive. Thanks, Jody. Uh, yeah. Thank you very much. Jody. Absolutely wonderful. And as I made mention on the tee up, we are beginning our color series. Now, we're not quite sure if we're going to continue this in succession or if we're going to sprinkle parts of the color series throughout the growing season, pardon the pun. We might next week touch on another color, and then the week after that, we might jump into something else. But by the end of this, by the end of 2021, we're hoping to have, what, Dad, six, seven, eight yes. colors featured on this part of the website. So if you are outside in your garden thinking, man, you know what? I need more red. GrowingSeasonCanada.com, click on the color series, and there will be a podcast that is red. And you can go through and listen to all of our favorites, the history and such of red plant materials. That can be trees, shrubs, perennials, and annuals. That's how this is going to go, yes? Ground covers, vines. All of that, okay? So, again, in typical growing season style, this is going to come at you hot and heavy. You're going to want to use show bits for this show. I got a question for you, Matt. Yes, so when a person, okay, we're going to do yellow this week, right? Yeah, this week is yellow. Okay, so Matt, normally speaking, if a person sees yellow on a on a plant in particular, it doesn't matter if it's a perennial or whatever. What what's your first thought? Uh, hot color? No, mom. That the plant is sick. Like, yeah. you're right. Yeah. yeah, you see these larches that that turn yellow in the fall. And the client thinks that there's that something was, wrong with or it. the mother low juniper. We've had sure. clients that say, is there something wrong with juniper? No, that's the color of it. <laughs> Same thing right? goes for the, uh, the butterfly bush, Matthew. Yeah. If the leaves go yellow on it. They automatically assume that it's, it's having issues. And by the way, it is. Okay. And, yeah. <laughs> and yet, but yet your golden mock orange, nothing's no. wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it. It's or perfect. Or your Dixon gold campanula. Or your Dixon gold. Speaking of Dixon gold campanula, I was in the middle of uh, pricing some jobs up here. Those suckers are expensive. Really expensive. <laughs> Holy jeez. They're cute, yeah. though. They're really cute. Aren't they around the $20 mark? They're expensive for a perennial, yeah. Yeah. Well, they're expensive for a little perennial, like a little mounding perennial. Sure. Right? If you look at it at the other ones, what would they be? And just a straight green leaf, blue blue flower yeah, kind of they, idea. Like your blue chips or something, yeah. right? Yeah. Any of the, the Serbians and so forth yeah. are relatively cheap I love, by I, comparison. I love Campanula. Sure. But this is not the show for that, no, right? No. We're going to primarily get into that when we do blue. Yes. Right? Are we going to do green? Sure. I like, let's do uh, monochromatic and dichromatic. How's that? Okay. Yeah. Right. One or two colors. Because green to me is one that, for our audience, 
when I do up a landscape plan, when my, when my dad does up a landscape plan, we run all the plant materials through a color scheme. And my wife came up with this idea, and she's very, very happy that the customers have gravitated to this. But I keep telling her one of the colors that we have to toss in the scheme all the time is green, because you can't get away from it. That, uh, like, <laughs> but there's so many different shades of green. It's, it's the truth with and spots, with, with spots, lines, completely, completely. Oh my goodness! But what she says to me too is, "We'll, we'll get the color scheme up and going." And she goes, okay. And then when she sees it all put together, she goes, well, that yellow doesn't really go with the yellow on the scheme. I'm like, Kel. It's a plant. It's a plant. Like, I can't get. Yeah. No, it's not like it's a paint yellow. swatch. It's this not is a yellow. Paint, yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, you can massage. Like, okay, actually, while we're on yellow, there's a major difference between the yellow on a potentilla flower versus the yellow on a full moon tick seed. A full moon tick seed has that powdery, yellow like the baby baby yellow okay yeah. whereas a potentilla is canary dialed way the heck up sure yeah i agree yeah but matt uh what what came first you know i'm not going to say the chicken or the egg all right okay because the potentilla this, or the no okay so what came first anthocyanins which are basically your reds your pinks your purples or your carotenoids the yellows and the oranges anthocyanins why because it begins with the letter A, and it's closest to the beginning of the alphabet. And, yeah, and you are noise. not in the same world as we are. <laughs> Heart noise start with C, so yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. Okay, yeah. Mom, what's the answer? Actually, anthocyanins came first, and the reason why is the first trees were gymnosperms. Okay, so your conifers, your cycads, your ginkgos, they have cones. I didn't know ginkgos have cones, but they do. I even looked it up. Very small cones. Very small ones. They look kind of like gray papery things. But anyhow, the cones on these gymnosperms had a red pigment, which is really? anthocyanins. Now, it wasn't, they're wind pollinated, so it was not to attract pollinators. It was strictly to uh, protection. Yeah, photoprotection, thermal. Yeah, yeah. For sun protection and heat protection yeah. for the trees. Now, the car- whoa, 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 why? So, why do why these anthocyanins provide sun protection? Well, they're not just providing sun protection, Matt. They're also providing a kind of a visual defense against herbivores. Yeah. Something from eating them. So that was one so of the main reasons. if it's red, it doesn't want to eat it. No. I guess so. I, I guess a certain color they don't, they don't really fixate on. Okay. And so that's one of the main reasons. All right. So hold on a second. Anthocyanins. And what's the other one you guys Cartonoids. said? Cartonoids. Yeah. What is this? Keratin. This is a, this is Keratin. A, this is a pigment. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so this is a this is a chemical. This is a something a protein or something within the plant. Yes. Okay. That basically all colors are different wavelengths. Okay. Simple okay. as that. Yeah. So so this is the light is, reflecting through a certain wavelength. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of times, what happens is chlorophyll will will cause a masking agent, which will will hide or the diffuse the color that the leaf has. Okay. Yes. So Matt, you might notice that something that is more yellow in the spring, yeah, might get the, the color might be more diffused as the season goes along, and that's all because of chlorophyll. But Maddie, because what is, the more chlorophyll in this, the greener it gets, the greener, the greener it gets, gets, or the color gets more diffused. Was there like years ago? There was a gum company that there was a flavor called chlorophyll. Yeah, still is. I see it the odd time in stores. Right? Yeah. Like, so you're chewing on an aloe vera leaf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it kind of sticky and slimy. Yeah. yeah, it's weird. But Matt, the idea is that it's all about catch and reflect or bounce and capture. And it's all to do with the wavelengths, Matt. And that's how come you get all these various colors and so forth. Okay. Mom? But, so when angiosperms, which is our flowering plants, evolved 240 million years ago, they evolved with the wasp. And the first flower colors, correct me if I'm wrong, Jack, were blues and pinks, no yellows. Okay, and so when did the honeybee come into play here? Because the wasp was first. Yeah. About 130 million years okay, ago. Okay, so then, yeah. all right. Okay, so then the wasp was there at first, and they were doing rudimentary pollination. Yeah, really rudimentary. Really yeah. nothing. They're, okay. they're more meat eaters. Because remember right. all the... But they do have some of the hairs on the legs. Yes, and they, they do. do. A little, little they do bit. some sure, pollen. teeniest a bit. Right. Okay? It wasn't until the, the nexus took place, Matt, where the splitting of the two, and then, then you got our little... Are not. Ooh. Ooh, I almost said oh, little friend, didn't I? Not allowed. You got our the bee. Okay. So here's a big yeah. question for you, Maddie. Yes. So what would you say? Would you say the bees back in prehistoric time, going back a couple hundred million years, were they larger or smaller than today? Hmm. 
I want to say larger because everything was larger back then, but let's say smaller. Okay, mom? Same size. Same size. About the same size. Really? Yeah. They could honk. They could really move. Okay. <laughs> okay. They, yeah, were some... they were running from pterodactyls and stuff. No, they were probably hunting pterodactyls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah cement <laughs> mixtures with stingers, yeah. Yeah, but Matt, Matt, what was really cool is that basically today they're almost the same size. And there were varieties back then that were giant wasps and so forth that might have been in the neighborhood of about eight or nine centimeters long. Okay, okay? so still big. Big. We have ones today called... Murder, the murder, murder hornet, hornet, the Asian right. hornet, or something. Yeah, yeah, and they're in the neighborhood of seven or eight. Centimeters. So that size, you know. Yeah. So they're pretty big. Okay. But the wow. idea is, Matt, the the thing with bees is that they're not just pollinating through the day; they're also pollinating at night. Why? Well, but I thought that the moth takes over at night. They do. That's one of the night shift. But bees can also go around the clock. Basically, it all has to do with how much energy they have. Okay, because I thought bees were predominantly biurnal or diurnal, which is the one that was diurnal is through the day. And yeah. they would they would basically hang out like, at night. That's is where you would open up the door to the to the hive and they come you, back. And, they, and yeah. they come back. So Matt, most honeybees don't forage at night. That's what I thought. Yeah, but there are a lot of bees out there that can forage or will forage at night. It all depends on moonlight and temperature. <laughs> okay, cool. Because remember they're going around the clock and the little female bees, especially the honeybees, Matt, they're they're only living for approximately three months because they're just working and working and working and they're exhausted, okay? Wow. But Matt, the speed, that was really what was really cool. Okay, so it typically, a honeybee can go in the neighborhood of between 12 and 20 miles an hour. Now, if you take your wasps, for instance, or your hornets, they're in the- They four, have to be able to go faster. 14 yeah. to 25. Yeah. But what is the fastest one out there? You oh, will not I was believe surprised. this. The fastest of the winged- Winged- Creatures? Insects, especially in the bee line. Uh, the bumblebee? The bumblebee. Is fat. <laughs> yeah. The big fat football with wings is what? 7 to 33 miles per hour. <laughs> that is that thing can honk. Honk and bee, man. But they always look like they're drunk. They do. It's amazing. I actually thought it was going to be the hornet or the yellow jacket or something, Matt. And actually, the yellow jacket is in the 7 to 30 mile an hour range. Yep. And they say aerodynamically, because of their body shape, bees should not be able well, yeah. to fly at all. My when kids have watched them. the bee movie a number of times. Have you seen this thing? Yes. Where Jerry Seinfeld's the voice sure. of the main character? Yeah. It's a fantastic movie. And you've seen it a number of times. And they go on about that. They say, listen, yeah, this is, for, this is all with a creature that's not really aerodynamically no. supposed to be able to do this. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Matt, the reason why they can do this, and they again, it's still being discussed through the scientific world, okay, as far as insects. But they were saying that because they have two sets of wings, okay, that helps them fly. They also have a, a special muscle on their thorax, which helps flap the wings very quickly. And they can do it, Matt. Get this. 200 to 230 beats per second. Per second. Per second? Per okay. second. What's the, what's the hummingbird? Do we have a comparison here? Okay, maybe on the break we can look at how fast the, uh, because I thought that the hummingbird was like the legendary one. All right, all right, okay. Trees and shrubs. Okay, so Matthew. Legendary were... yellow trees and shrubs. All right, so if we're going to pick something that is related to the carotenoid that gives you uh, in a tree form that is not a shade tree that we want in yellow, what would it be? Well, I was going to say ginkgo. But if that's a fall color, that's not a spring. Okay, yeah, what about a honey locust? Green. Okay, uh -huh. fine. Yeah. Right? Okay, Explain. absolutely. Honey locust. This is a sunburst honey locust. They call it a sunburst honey locust because it's... And it's Latin, Matthew, please? Gladitia triacanthos. And there's your Latin. There's my Latin. So they call this a sunburst honey locust because it's, I guess it's the color of the sun. Okay, now this one's a weird one because in the same family as this is something called a shade master honey locust. And skyline. And a skyline. And the shade master, they're not really shade trees. They don't really provide a whole lot of shade because no. the leaves are so little on these no. suckers. And, and they used to call it the lazy man's tree, Matt, because what would happen is the leaves are very small. And they're actually a compound palmate. So that means a lot of little leaflets with yep. one, one at the very top. Yep. So it could have anywhere up to, I don't know, an uneven number, let's say nine. Okay, so the idea is, Matt, in the fall, when they when they fall down on the ground, they, they involve very little raking or so forth. You almost don't even have to rake these things. You can just no. hit them with your lawnmower, sure. and it just basically breaks them up. Absolutely. But, Matt, they are amazing little, not, they wouldn't call them little trees, but no. they're... They get to a good size. Yeah, about, yeah 45 what, by 40, right? Yeah. yeah. So the idea is, Matt, 4A... So anywhere our, our our area will take them very well. Um, they tolerate most conditions. They have no flower or fruit per se. 
But Matt, they do need to, a bit of a prune in late spring. But here's a big one. We have found that when we were planting them over the years, if you planted a sunburst honey locust under 45 mil, okay, 45 mil caliper, okay, what would happen is the following year, you're going to have to do a lot of pruning to it. For some reason, they, they die on the tips. So you're better to get something when you buy it initially, buy it at 60 mil. What? I'm not lying to you, Matthew. I have never heard this. Ladies um, and gentlemen, GrowingSeasonCanada.com is the website, by the way. Click on Show Bits. It's a picture of a sunburst honey locust there. And you and I are hearing this information for the first time. This is a constant. It's a constant. You would find that at 45 mil, yeah. they would get tip dieback. We have we have planted thousands of them, Matthew. And yes, they got tip dieback. Die back, not black. But no <laughs> matter. If the tips get black, it's even worse. No. Die back. You guys don't want your tips to go black. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> I'll take a whole lot of less of that. Thanks, Me too. Much. I would go and spend the extra, say, 50 or $75 and get the next size up. And these things notoriously need a lot of pruning. These they things do. sucker and they water sprout yeah. and all kinds of stuff with this thing. Sure, but they tolerate, they tolerate uh, dry, moist soils, that kind of idea, Matt. Any pH you could possibly think of. They're, yeah. They just I haven't even planted take one. salt. Really? Yeah. No. Urban pollution. And they're native to North America. Okay, so I, I haven't put one of these suckers on a drawing. Why not? I can't even remember. I don't know. Then go 60 mil. I'm not mm-hmm. lying to you, Matthew. This definitely happened. What do I have in the, in the pike right now? Nah, I don't have anything that I could put one on right now. Okay, this one, again, this is the one that the sunburst honey locust is kind of the go-to when it comes to yellow, if you want yellow all year round type thing. But the next one, Princeton Gold Acer. And it's related to the Norway maple. Ugh. Okay. Yuck. Yeah. <laughs> Norway's gross. Okay, Norway maple, ladies and gentlemen, it's kind of in the same family as Manitoba maple, kind of a junky tree. But again, if you want something that's yellow in the tree form all year round, this would be your option. Yes, never seen one. I've never seen one either. Do you know what, Matthew? The Princeton Gold, what's cool about it, is also high stadantis. Okay, so it's going to flower as a maple. It's actually a very nice flower. Before it leaves out. Yes. Really? And so the idea, Matt, they're called, what are they called, Lenny? Oh, those flowers? Yeah, this is hard to pronounce. Corums. 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 Really? Yeah. Okay. So what else has corms, Matt? Uh, well, when you go to the movie, you can get popped corms. <laughs> <laughs> yes? I had, I had to sit there for a I'll give you a, I'll give you a hint. Romans, uh, one. What? Sorbus. Okay. Okay. Sorbus Occupy. Okay. So any of the yeah. mountain ash mum? Queen Anne's Lace. Has corms? Has yeah. corms. And so does yuc- uh, yucca. Sorry, no. Yarrow. Yarrow has corms? Okay, another another one, Matt, you would know. Also would yellow, be... by the way. Most, most times yarrow is yellow. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Crataegus is another one. Hawthorne. Really? They all have corn. It's all to yeah. do with the arrangement of the flowers yeah. on the stem. Okay. They're, so, on a, they're on small stalks, either flat or com- convex blooms. Okay. And that tells you very Think of Queen much. Anne's Lace. That's the best I example. know that we're jumping ahead here, but uh, lately on drawings, they've been using some yarrow. And actually, Mom, that's because of your influence. Oh. And it's interesting because what I'm noticing now in the perennials is they're doing a lot of this where... They have the little version, it's called little whatever, and mm-hmm. then they had the big version, which is called the big whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like in this case, little moonshine, when it comes to yarrow, is the littler version of moonshine yarrow. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool. Do you know Mom says that she has seen them five feet tall. Have yes. you ever yarrow? seen them? Yes. What, are they hacking them down with a machete? Where? <laughs> First time I ever saw yarrow, we were in Washago. Remember cottaging up yes. in Washago? Yeah. And we were either driving along or walking from the cottage into Wishagel to buy ice cream. And I saw these big, huge plants growing behind a picket fence. And I asked her, Dad, what are those? I've never seen those before. They were yarrow. And I am not kidding you. They were four to five feet Yeah, but tall. those are really a yarrow. You're going to need a bigger boat. She must have been with her. <laughs> yeah, other. those are always cheap. <laughs> like, yeah, I was going to say, like, there's no way. I've never seen them that She yeah. must have been with her other husband. I don't <laughs> that remember was, that story. Or that I was, was on something. I don't know. Wow. No, okay, no so, they were tall. So we got, we got seven minutes. You want to jump into some shrubs right now, or you want to hit one more tree, and then we can jump to shrubs? Okay, so let's hit one more tree, Matt. Let's hit uh, Larix for okay, a minute. Okay, Larch. Yes. And you've told the story here where you had the client where they show up to the nursery in the spring, and the client's like, why is my tree dead? And you're like, no, it's a larch. It sheds its needles. And even the nursery owner was like, say that again. It what? It what's its needles? It sheds its needles. It's sure. a deciduous conifer. It's a hybrid. Yeah, it's the truth. 
it's it, it's 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 a weird one. And we've talked about the Pooley Weeping Larch. It's just a gorgeous little thing. Sure. And you want know Matt, this particular tree will outlive a lot of people. Okay, because anywhere from say 500 years up to 1900 years larches. Yeah. 1900 years. years? Masuthala trees. <laughs> I didn't even say that right. Yeah. Masuthala. Yeah. yeah, I know. But Matt, it what's interesting about it is that it it comes out of uh, let me think here for a second uh, Europe, uh, South America, South South Europe, right? Maybe? Yeah, uh, Central and Southern Europe. Yeah, but yeah. it only likes to be in zones two to six. So I'm thinking not too hot, not too hot. So in Southern Europe, it's probably up in the mountains. Now, here's something really cool about this tree: it has thick, fire resistant bark. What? So it's it, it's evolved. To be able to resist forest fires to some degree, you know, how it, yet, you know how it does it. How it takes sugars that are in the in the phloem, and it diverts it to areas of the of the bark itself to protect itself in times of forest fire. And it's interesting that it only likes zone two to six. Yeah, really. Think, no, think about the conditions it grows in, Matt. Well, I mean, no, again, British Columbia, it would it would love it, right? Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. prone to forest fires. Yeah, but yeah. yet California, this thing would not like it. No, too warm. I don't think I've ever seen one in California. Possibly in the mountains. Maybe I would think maybe up in the because, mountains of California. Wow. Okay. No, and again, if you've not seen one of these poorly weeping larch, they're absolutely beautiful. It's a cool little accent plant. I'm wondering if the larch evolved that thing to do with forest fires, be, like its bark, because it was living in an area that was prone to forest fires. Huh. And you know what, man? It tracks birds. It tolerates deer. It doesn't really care. And I like the yellow-orange color in the fall, and that's why we're discussing oh, it right now. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. Okay, trees. Speaking of the fall. Trees with fall color? No, when you want to just hit some of the heavy hitters for the fall color in yellow. All right, so we've talked about it quickly, but uh, the ginkgo biloba is unbelievable for your fall color in the trees. The betula as well. Birches. Norway maple, not a great tree, but it does get a yellow fall color. Tilia. Linden? Linden gets a beautiful fall color. Shagbark hickory? They get a beautiful, yes. Black cherry. Yep. Okay, magnolias get a fall color in yellow. Yep. Um, trying to think here. Hop hornbeam, Matthew. Beautiful fall color. Yeah, and uh, quaking aspen, especially out west. You oh, see yeah. a lot of them in, in you know, your moths. Yep. So in your moths area out west for her parents, lots yep. of quaking aspen out there. Okay, shrubs. I would be remiss if I didn't jump on to golden ninebark. And the reason why is that this is an all-purpose. This is one that you have a hard time killing. Yeah. Nine barks are great. It's a 401 plant. It's a 401 plant. And we talked about this last summer, I believe. We did a show called 401 Plants, which is our slang for you can dig a hole in the middle of the 401, just drop this thing in, and it'll grow. Nine bark are wonderful. They will take whatever pruning that you throw at them. They'll take shade. Not full shade, but they'll take partial shade. What happens if they get too much shade? Then they get powdery mildew. And then they look like crap. Look like crap, right? Yeah, so partial little... shade. They do like a lot of air movement. This is one that, that that you can open prune. So you want the middle section to be a little bit more open for air circulation. But man, you could back a dump truck over this thing and it, and it would still survive. Our little purple one got uh, powdery mildew last summer. Did it really? Yeah. yeah. But your I'm... front flower beds are not. No, no, this was on the shadier side. Okay. But you know, Matt, they, they grow in the neighborhood of six to eight feet by six to eight feet. So they, they're a larger shrub. They have a bloom. I have never seen one six to eight by six to eight. I actually have over the years. Because generally older. what you do is that you can literally grab a handful of this thing and just snip it off and just prune it. They're, they're, they take pruning so well. Sure. And Matt, again, anything that you want to have a vibrant color, anything with bloom, anything like that, okay? You need to have sunlight, okay? Yep. Otherwise, you get less bloom, less fruit, less not less berry, okay? It's just typical. But Matt, be careful. Deer love this thing. Really? Yeah, I have no idea why, Matthew. <laughs> I haven't gone around and chomped on one of the leaves or, or the bark. From, and oh, you haven't taken a poll of the local deer and said, hey, by the way, guys, yeah. why do you like <laughs> why this? Why do you like this yeah. thing? <laughs> it tastes like candy. <laughs> but, Matt, it does attract butterflies and bees, but not birds. The birds don't like it. Not at all. No, they're not huh. interested. And it is native to North America. Okay. While we're on this, then, one that I've never seen, only in picture. Golden Oriole Azalea. Now, this year for us seems to be the year of rhododendron. I don't know why. We do have a lot of places that are shady that would accommodate the acid-loving rhododendron. But this golden oriole, growingseasoncanada.com, click on show bits. There it is right there. This thing is stunning. It's absolutely stunning. I actually have rarely seen the yellow ones. 
Expect only out in when we go to the various islands, Matthew. I'm putting, uh, I've put Capistrano rhododendron on, on some jobs coming up. And that's one of the only yellows I've ever, I've ever set eyes on. But where did you guys dig up this golden Oriole rhododendron? Well, we actually went and we looked up a yellow rhododendron or an azalea. And this one happened to pop up. I've, I've never actually physically used it, Matt. But you know what? Let's try it. Remember, yellow is hard to get into a shady environment. I totally yeah. agree. Yeah. Absolutely. That's unique. That's why Japanese carrier, that's why we use it constantly. Because it's just it's just so it's just so oddball to see yellow in a shaded flower bed. Sure. It's one of the hardest colors to get in shade. But Matt, it'll take a sun, part shade. It likes a rich, well drained soil, that kind of idea. And again, because it is an actual azalea. 4.5 to 5.5 on the pH. So wants the acid. Sure. And then again, zones 5 through 8. And it, needs, it really does not require a lot of regular pruning, that kind of idea. And actually, we might, we've never really had problems as far as insects on the blooms. No. So, so yeah. the growing season continues. On the other side, we're going to pick up with some more shrubs. Then we're going to get into perennials and annuals. She's Lynn. He's Jack. I'm Matt. Follow along with us. GrowingSeasonCanada.com. Click on show bits. It's a visual accompaniment. And we'll see you on the other side. ACK, GrowingSeasonCanada.com is the website. You heard me talk about show bits. Click on that to see all of the wonderful plant materials that we've got lined up for you that we're chatting about. Golden butterfly bush? Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. I love butterfly bush, but I've never heard of one being yellow. That's really unique. Honeycomb, it's called, Matt, the variety. Okay, and for me, butterfly bush is always a weird one because it's it's like a herbaceous shrub. It's not your typical shrub. It's... I kind of think of this thing as a perennial. I do too, Matthew. You're like right. it's it's one of those ones like you can buy them in the big three gallon p- pots, but it just it doesn't act like a shrub. It, it acts like a perennial to me. It can get to six foot height. I know, and it they can grow get vigorously. Really big. And yeah. didn't you say there's a variegated variety out now? Yeah, a harlequin. Harlequin. Now it has the purple bloom on it, but it has the variegated leaves. That on would it. be so pretty. Well, this one, the uh, the gold, the golden one. It gets the yellow flowers at the ends of its stems in the um, early spring. That would be really pretty. It and gets it's a fast... it in the early spring. Yeah. Because yeah. now the, the one of the common names for butterfly bush is summer lilac. Well, this is early spring. That's exactly what it's called. Summer lilac. So, like, but it doesn't, <laughs> but this thing's getting the blooms in the early spring. Yeah. And yet it's part of the family of summer lilac. Yeah. Sure. But Matt, it does have issues with the uh, the leaves turning yellow. That's what I mentioned earlier in the sh- in the first half of the show. Yeah. And that's usually caused from stress or it could also be low in iron. And they said that basically if you're having iron issues with your your butterfly bush, to actually give it uh, a bit of a treatment with lime. And that should help it. Sweeten okay. the soil a bit. And butterflies love it. Or can't you just go to the drugstore and get some of those uh, Centrum vitamins? For, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> Here, plant. Have a vitamin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you do? Yeah. I mean. <laughs> and anything above zone eight, it's an evergreen. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we ain't zone eight, Matt. So. No, no, no. But people but, but that are listening. Is, in, but in my point the is US. that what what does this thing look like the next year? Because this thing can grow. They grow vigorously. Like this thing can grow four feet in a year. Okay. Here's a question: Can you coppice it? I think so. Absolutely. I think you can take it down. Sure. Yeah. For sure. Like we do it on job sites all the time. That's why my big thing with this is I'm not quite sure what to call this. Because to me, it's not a shrub, but it's a really assertive perennial. You know, one of the ones that we used to use a lot of was this was the spider flowers. Those things, Cleum spinosa, right? Yeah, and yes. those things, those well, things huge. in annuals remind me of the butterfly bush. Yeah, you put the little sp- spider flower, and it's about it's about whatever, what three inches tall, and by the end of the summer, this it's thing six is feet. just six feet. Yeah. <laughs> They're right? huge. It yeah, looks like it looks like like Barbados, man. <laughs> yeah, your aunt May puts them in the front of her house in the bed, and they get huge. They get huge. And the weird thing about that is, remember being on job sites pulling spider flower. When you go to pull it out, what's it smell like? 
I don't know. I marijuana. Oh, really? It has that it's really got a pungent re- odor? Punk- oh. Yeah, it's got, it smells like weed. I remember myself and Aaron, my sister, on job sites doing bed cleanouts with the big tarp, and you're pulling this thing out of the ground, and it's like something smells like weed. Like wow. really majorly like weed. We'll have to plant some. Maybe it's weed. <laughs> no, it's, listen, unless it's a new strain, right? Okay, so Matt, can we talk about northern bush honeysuckle for a second? I love it. So, Matt Dyer, Vela Lonicera, right? Yep. Okay, so what's unusual about this? Now, we don't use a lot of Dyer Vela. Why? I don't know. Why? Oh, is it, is it 6B? No, I think it's more to do with the stupid, uh, what is it, the aphids that keep pooping all over the leaves. Okay. I think and that's it gets a it, blight, too. That's, no, that's, but you, you'll see, that, you know how you can see that silvery gray on the honeysuckle yeah. leaves? Yeah. That's because I think it's either aphids or mites are pooping on your because leaves. Because you used to, years ago, 20 years ago, you, you used to love honeysuckle I remember you had it. We almost use it like a ground cover in some cases. Sure. And so, Maddie, what is unusual about it as far as its color? This is what's really cool. Well, it'll grow in it'll grow in shade. No, nope. mom. It has yellow flowers, but after it's been pollinated, it turns the flowers turn orange red. It's almost like they're saying to the bees, to the bees. "Don't bother. We we've already Gnostic been done." Gnostic movement, Matthew. Yeah. What? Think about it. Yeah. Yes. So what? It's like once it's once it's had it's it's playtime. It's like it's okay. I'm, yeah. You know, you shut it off. Right? That's it's, okay. It I've had puts my the wedding ring on. I'm I'm taken. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Matt, here's a question for you. So do the sepals or the petals on a on a flowering plant have anything to do with the sex <laughs> on that plant? No. Absolutely nothing. Why, mom? The sepals are there just to protect the reproductive areas of the plant. And you mentioned something about, are they there to protect the reproductive areas from sunlight and stuff like that? Yes, that's what it's for. Really? The sepals are there just strictly to protect. And and again, the, they also produce, I believe, um, chlorophyll and that for food as okay. well to help them. But they have absolutely zero, any anything at all to do with the actual uh Sexual reproduction on the on the plant itself. Okay, so again, growingseasoncanada.com, click on show bits. You'll see a sepal there, just because if you're an audience member going, what are these guys talking about? Okay, before we jump off, because we got perennials and, and annuals to get to, and I have my show notes in front of me, and there's some majorly heavy hitters coming up as far as perennials. We got to get into... Can we hit, say, maybe one or... So of the actual evergreen. Okay, we haven't touched on on potentilla yet, and we would come on. Do we need to touch on potentilla? Potentilla is yellow. It's the classic yellow, guys. Go look at Fruticosa, potentilla. Okay, it's the one. The nice part about potentilla is it is an ever bloomer. Once this thing hits in June, it goes. And it's a barometer for your bed. Yeah, if your if your beds are too dry, the potentilla will tell you. Okay, the the one that we got to get to, golden threadleaf false cypress. Okay, the little fry guy. Yeah. These are the cutest little guys. And the Latin is, Matthew? Uh, Chamisiferis pacifera philifera orionina. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Give that guy much. two cookies. <laughs> he was testing me Love on it. that all day. Oh, but it's so cute. If you Listen, guys, if you want to add something to your garden that is just nothing looks like this thing, for our audience that's, let's say, 35 years and up, think of it like this. Remember the McDonald's fry guys? Oh, yeah. That's what this thing looks like. But oh. yellowy green, sure, and, and really again, cute. more sunlight, the more green. more oh, yellow, sorry, more more yellow. Yeah, that's right. Yep. But Matt, this thing is actually in the. It takes a pH of five point five to seven point five, so, so it's, it's pretty darn flexible. Yeah, zones four through eight, Love pretty it. darn tough. Uh, the the taller varieties might be in the three to six foot range. The shorter ones might be in the eighteen to twenty four inch range. Yep. Okay, uh, Matt, as you say, it it'll take almost any soil. Okay, it doesn't here's, care. Here's the thing to watch. We don't generally plant them near walkways that are going to be salted. Agreed. So very similar to how your boxwoods take it, how your junipers take it, how your ewes take it. These things are affected by salt. So please keep them back from your walkways. Great. And also, it's a great companion plant for your barbaris, okay, your, your yep. red barberries. And, uh, Man, they look good together. And oh, I was going to say They that. do. Uh, after, you know, you must be fertilizing these things along the way, Matt. They need a bit of fertilizing. So give them something like 10, 10, 10, maybe okay. once a month or once a month so that they're going to be. Once a month? Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's yeah. a hungry little thing. These things are like, put it into my veins. Yeah. Give it no. to me. <laughs> no, no. Again, it's 10, 10, 10. It's pretty balanced out, yeah. right? Yeah. So, Matt, I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, the Euonymus called Moon Shadow. And, and by the way, you said you'd never heard that song, I'm Being Followed by a Moon Shadow. Moon Shadow, Moon, moon shadow. shadow. You don't know the other one, eh? Yeah. Okay, nope. that's our generation. Nope. 
Okay, yeah. well, you're behind the eight ball, man. No, or, 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 or it was just an awful Or I'm ahead of the curve, right? Or ahead of the curve. <laughs> yeah. But my, my favorite, actually, is Sunspot. You want it. Oh, really cute. I think it's a great one, and it looks like little specks of paint it all over like green leaves. It looks like someone has taken yellow paint and just gone flick on yep. it. Cool looking. But Matt, this moon shadow is really cool because, again, it has a, the yellow on it on the green, dark green leaf or light green, depending on where you have it located. Matt, it will take basically any light condition. I, I cannot believe how tough it is. 5A and up as well in zone. The only issue with these things is these are considered invasive. They are. Winter creeper, right? This oh, yes. Is, yeah. This is considered invasive. Right? And they live 30 years. Well, yeah, because they're also they just they just choke the life out of everything else. Now, granted, we do oftentimes we will plant euonymus, especially in a situation where give us if you have a small flower bed and you want to get winter interest, okay, and you and you want to get winter interest in a small flower bed, a euonymus works well because you can get the green and the yellow varieties, and it does that all year round. Okay, so there's your there's your evergreen shrubs, flowering shrubs. We've, we've touched on some trees. Okay. Perennials. Can mom hit yarrow? Mom, go for it. Give me yeah, some I like yarrow. And not the, and, and not the Washago variety. No, not the five-footers, the big guys. No, <laughs> yeah. no. Yarrow, to me, is such a great plant because it's such a survivor and it blooms so long. We put a yellow one in one side of our bed where the soil's pretty crappy, and I want it yellow there. And it just keeps on blooming, keeps on blooming. It's a great little plant. It blooms. It starts blooming, like, in June, and it just keeps on going. It it reproduces by seeds or by rhizomes. It has these... Wait a minute, what's a rhizome? A rhizome underground stem. Oh, it has, oh. it has these ferny kind of leaves. It's a very interesting texture. Yeah, it is. And the flowers are, I just learned this, they're corims. Corums. 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 Again. Yeah. yeah. It looks It looks something like, it reminds me something of Queen Anne's Lace, the flower formation yep, on it. Yeah, I agree. And, and it, it's yeah. xerophytic, so it's a great plant. You can plant it in crappy soil. It doesn't need a lot of water. But these things grow on roadsides. Oh, yeah. But it doesn't yeah. like heavy clay soil, Matt. Oh, so you know what you can't put it next to, Dad? An Austrian An pine. An Austrian uh, pine. You know pine what? Every, every week I put Austrian pine in. in Thank in you very much, Matthew. It yeah. may, it's great for dried flowers, too. Yeah. They to look, cut them. They yeah. look beautiful. This yeah. is one, my, my wife loves these. Anything that, that has a bit of a wildflower look, if you're looking for that texture in your mm-hmm. garden... This would be one like if you're doing a like a a meadow garden or that type of yeah. thing. This thing would be just perfect. Yeah, so they come in lots of different colors. Like I know we've got a yellow one, and then we got one called paprika, which looks which is the orangey. It right? hasn't yeah. bloomed yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I've never it, seen it bloom. No, no, yeah. no. It'll bloom this year. Yeah. So, Maddie, if you had to pick a four o'clock and uh, talk about it, which one would you choose? Oh, okay. So four o'clock, guys, is uh, it's a part of the Anathra family. And sundrops, one, one of them. Yeah. Okay. So it's and sundrops, and it's called sundrops because they come out when the sun is dropping. Okay. Yes. But Ozarks, Ozark sundrops. I absolutely love these things. Anything to do with the powdery yellow, I love. I love a powdery yellow color. I love powder yellow against a very very rich burgundy in oh, gardens. Be it's just beautiful. But the four o'clocks are nice because they also get an insanely beautiful fall color on them too. Even the tips after a while, Matthew, it doesn't even have to be fall. We'll kind of turn this reddish orange. Beautiful. I, I like the look. And Matt, the fact is that they bloom, say, later in the afternoon when, when the heat of the day is now subsiding. I like that. And also first thing in the morning, they'll also poke their little heads up. And everything with the bloom, Matt, has to do again. I mentioned Gnostic movement, which means the opening and closing of the bloom, okay? And how long it will actually physically remain on the planet itself. But Matt, it's great for things like uh, attracting your... Birds, hummingbirds. It comes in multiple colors. Yeah. And the thing is, I like the yellow one myself. I don't know. Maybe it's just that I like to bounce a lot of colors off of yellow. I could not believe. I could not believe last fall pulling up into your driveway and the fall color on your Onothra in your front flower bed was like, what is that? Because the leaves go red in the fall. Yeah. Yeah. It has this bizarre fall color on it. And it stays that way until November. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But Matt, if we were going to pick a very low perennial, that uh, would almost be a ground cover, that is in a clumping form, that has a colorful leaf and a beautiful flower, what would you choose? We actually already mentioned this. Okay. Dixon's Gold. Okay. Okay. So this is Dixon Gold Campanula. For those that don't know, Campanula is notoriously blue. Okay. 
And this one's Feel no sad? difference. No, no, it's 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 not melancholy. It isn't a particular type of dog, or it's not a fruit dog, a melancholy. Oh, <laughs> right? Okay. okay. But I was wondering so where that was going. These these are some of the most wonderful, oddball looking perennials. So Campanula usually has it's a it's a mounder, one of my favorite type of perennials. Just these little half circles full of color. And there's usually green leaf and a purpley blue flower. Okay, chips. Blue chips campanula is one of the big varieties, okay? But this Dixon's gold thing, same bluey, the flower almost gets a little pink, actually. Bluey pink flowers, but with a greeny yellow leaf. But the only problem, like you said earlier, Matthew, hard right. on the pocketbook. Yes. But Matt, if we were going to pick, okay, we're going to flip to some of the uh, annuals if we have time, but ground covers. I like the, the new uh, Illumination Vinca Minor. Can you mention a bit, a bit about that? Yellow leaf. Yeah. Weird. Absolutely weird. Again, guys, Vinca. Vinca's notoriously, or it's famously, green leaf, purpley blue flower. This is a very similar idea to your Dixon's Gold. It's got this yellowy leaf with the bluey purple flower. So the thing is, Matt, it'll take most of the light conditions, uh, part sun, part shade, full, full shade, deep shade, but it burns. Why does it burn in full sun? Probably because of the yellow leaf. No, nope. Mom? I'm not really sure, Jack. You're Something called lucian. Oh, okay. okay. Lucian is a carotenoid, uh, uh, okay? okay? And the idea is that it, it's, it's a shield against the sun. And this is why it's one of the most prominent colors within the carotenoids, okay? That's super important. And so you wonder why certain plants will not burn or will burn or whatever... It's the amount of this lutein that they have in their systems that protects themselves against the sun. It's as simple as that. Okay, so, so this, then this vinca doesn't have a lot of lutein in it. No, okay. it doesn't have a lot of lutein. Even though, if you notice the leaves on a vinca mat are actually kind of leathery. They, yeah. they have a bit of, it's almost a gloss to them. But again, it's an evergreen. If, if, you know, if you come and look in the spring mat, they're already in leaf when you see them in the spring once the snow disappears. I've even seen them blooming just after the snow disappears. So they're pretty darn tough. It even huh. takes dry shade, which is a tough which really is tough. set That's of conditions it. to That's work the with. One. And yeah, they also one. are good for slopes. They, they stabilize the ground, Matt, and we use, a lot, use them a lot for that as well. But here's one that you never probably have used, Matt. Potentilla ground cover, Vernonena. Potentilla yeah, I've never used it. Yeah. I've never used it. It's, and yet it's got the same sort of a yellowy flower as your sink foil, as your bush Potentilla has got, but it's in a ground cover form. And it, it'll take a little bit of uh, foot traffic, but not a ton. Okay, don't walk on it constantly. But Matt, something really cool about the scent, Bum? It has strawberry-scented foliage. So I, I'm gathering if you take a leaf off and smell it, it smells like strawberries. Really like strawberries, Matthew. Really? I yeah. actually want to grow some just to find out. I have never, I mean, I've seen, I've worked with the stuff. I've never noticed that before. Matt, they're fantastic, and they also will they will reseed themselves. They also do it by rhizome. They'll reproduce by rhizome. But, Matt, the thing is we, again, would use them in uh, rock gardens, um, alpine areas, uh, rock walls, and, again, as a ground cover. And, Matt, what is interesting about them is they attract all sorts of bees, even your parasitic wasp, which we need as well, and, of course, your butterflies. And if you're not keen on the yellow color, they come in white, orange, and pink also. Really? Yeah. Matt, really good. Okay, now you have Hypericum here. Yeah. As a perennial. Sure. But you can get the shrub version of this. Yeah. Like I use Combs St. John's Ward all the time. And the nice part about this is this is another one that will flower yellow in partial shade. Sure. And again, again, we, we keep saying that it's really hard to get yellow. Yeah. But in this case, we, we are, we've gone to great detail to find them. Okay. Now, and Combs... Combs St. John's Wart looks very similar to a Potentilla. Yeah, they do. One of the differences that you would notice, though, is the fact that, wait a second, is that Potentilla flowering in partial shade? That would tip you off that this is yeah. not a Potentilla. Yeah. Matt, you know, they're, they're used for medicinal purposes, yeah. uh, mild depression, that kind of idea, even though there's actually no scientific evidence of any proof of this. But, Matt, they are very harmful to your grazing animals. So people who have cattle and goats and sheep and so forth... It's very harmful to them. So do not get it anywhere near them. Really? Yes. Okay. Every time you say the name of that plant, I want to laugh because of the word wart at the end. I think of the yeah. you know, bumpy little skin thing on your finger. Well, it's actually spelled W-O-R-T, and it comes from the old English word wart, 
W-Y-R-T, which means beneficial plant. Yeah, that this is, I would imagine some people are staying away from this thing. Because of the wart. Word. Because of the word wart. Do you want to know something really funny, Matt? Uh, I don't know if we'll have a chan- chance to talk about it. I wouldn't mind hitting a few annuals, but coreopsis. Do you know what coreopsis means? No. Mom, hit it. Coreopsis means bed bug. Choreo is Greek for bed bug, and opsis is view. Okay. So, so, bed bug with a view. <laughs> <laughs> I happen to like, <laughs> I happen to like coreopsis, too. I love coreopsis. They're fantastic. Tick seed is so beautiful. Oh, I agree, Matt. We're going to have to work it in on a few more of our designs. Okay, so two that I've been using a lot lately, and again, this is not necessarily for this show, but while we're on the topic of it, Lil, Lil Bang Tick Seed, yeah. as well as Red Satin. Red satin, guys, looks like, you know, the filling on red velvet cake? Oh, yes. Red satin. The, 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 the flowers are that color. We're going to save that one for the red show. So, Matt, if you had uh, had choice to pick an annual that you liked a lot, that had the yellow color to it, that was kind of a showy thing in your garden, what would you choose? Oh, a snapdragon. A snapdragon. So, what's the Latin for that, Matt? Uh, Anterhinum. Mages. Anterhinum, yeah. So, yeah. These, these are great. Classic. You literally, you've seen these things. Interesting, the the flower shape, is it just me or does it have a slightly orchid look to it? Like when you get really deep in and look at these things, it's a little orchidy. Yeah, now the name comes from, I guess, whoever named it thought that the the, the flower resembled the face of a dragon. Yeah, I guess the I guess jutting so. out. Zone. And you can make the mouth open. Have yeah, you, you can go like this. this. Yeah, we used to we used to use it a lot on when we were doing. We wanted something annual for our spike gardens. Yep, and that was a great choice. But Matt, again, it came out of uh, Europe, uh, U.S., North Africa, that kind of stuff, and we use it, of course, in in um, in islands and drifts and so yep. forth for color. Full sun, full sun. Again, Absolutely. color, color, color. But Matt. Uh, it, again, the more the more sun, the more color you're going to get in it. Dad, where would this thing be a perennial? It would have to be down in uh, like places like zone, I would say. Um, is, it, is it eight, nine, eight, ten? nine? Yeah, okay. yeah. Because yeah. wouldn't that be cool to have Snapdragon as a perennial? It's just yeah. forever in your garden. Yeah. yeah, from about June through October, it blooms for you. And I, again, don't let it water uh, dry out between waterings. No, it doesn't like that. Otherwise, it's going to look like hell. But come- Maddie. Okay, go comes ahead. in a multiple of colors too, not just Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Sure. But Absolutely. Manny, if you were going to pick something in the shade line. Oh, man. And you wanted to choose between, I'll give you two choices here. You can either talk about fusion glow or you can talk about tuberous begonia. I want one? the fibrous begonia. You want the fibrous. Yeah. And the reason why we use the fibrous a lot is the tuberous, the, the blooms tend to get so heavy that its little root system where the stem attaches to the root system, it can kind of snap it off. Right? Like, you've ever seen, like, they're very, very sensitive. Whereas the fibrous begonia tends to be a little bit more hardy, a bit more rigid. Well, also, I noticed that they don't get those issues with, in, in the heat of the summer, let's say you let it dry out. And so what it does is on the, on your, your impatience, for instance, when they would kick all your flowers off, the fibrous begonias didn't have that issue. Yeah. They would hang on to them and they didn't seem to have as many problems. How many but, begonias have you planted in your day? Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, I would say fifty to seventy-five thousand. I remember when when the Toronto Zoo was hopping in the eighties and nineties. Mom, remember this when you would go down there and their annual gardens? Oh, just beautiful, just unbelievable. Yeah, they got now they kind of got away from that in the nineties and the millennium, putting in perennials. I think their their budgets shrank a bit, so perennials made more sense. But those annual gardens coming into that zoo, yeah, were just beautiful, just packed. Full of yeah. But anyways, man, can we get back to Fusion Glow for a second? Yeah, not much okay. time. Two minutes. Okay, so anyways, the Impatience Walleriana Fusion Glow. Do you know anything about it? This is a this is a yellow impatient. Yeah. Which is really Which weird. is really rare. Which is wild stuff. Rare, rare. Yeah. Yeah. When did this happen? Mon, I, I first started seeing it appearing back in the late eighties, early nineties. But by the way, Matt, you know how impatients are already not really heavy bloomers? Yeah. Because they're in the shade environment? <laughs> this one's less? This one's even less. Okay? <laughs> it's like, here's your yellow bloom for the year. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Take a picture no. quick. <laughs> and I, I know, Matt, it really, they do not bloom a lot. And that's why we flipped over to basically the fibrous begonias, yeah. the sempervirens. Yeah. And we just found we had less problems, especially in the heat of the summer. And we just gave up on them, what, what four or five years ago, right? I got to tell you, though, Dad, but the, the, the professional annual planting is done. Many people, this is not even a thing anymore. Really? It's not. It's opposite. It's uh, now. So my skills are no good anymore? No. What I'm saying is that we are an anomaly with it. Like even ask Janice Sant of Seasonal Gardener. She's not doing a whole heck of a lot of annuals anymore. 
No. It's all perennial stuff now. And yet back in the 50s and 60s, in it was all In the 70s and 80s, animals. as I was saying, with the Toronto Zoo. Right? But you yeah. know what, Matt? We use them a lot for mass plantings, border edging, that kind of idea, yeah. uh, containers and hanging baskets. So we use them for everything. Well, we use the annuals a lot in where if you can't get a certain color in the perennial, flip over to the annual. Coral seems to be a big color this year for us on our landscape designs. And it's that's really tough to get an ever-blooming coral yeah, yeah. So, would. Matty, I don't know what the time's like, but if you had... seconds. Okay, so, Matt, why do we not use... Okay, we use tuberous begonias, but we why do we not use them as much as we used to use them? I just said, because they, they tend to break off at the... Why? It gets like a root rot or something. They get root rot. Yeah. Yeah, and that's because generally what happens is because the environment in which they're living, there's not as much air circulation, and they're generally in a shady environment, and people overwater them. And that's yeah. a great place to press pause. And the serve goes to mom. Mom? Well, something that I would think is really rare is the yellow clematis. Never seen that. It's a member of the buttercup family, and it's native to the mountain areas of China and India. And it's, I mean, yellow and a clematis, that's unreal. It reproduces by seed or vegetative. It's good for fences and trellises. It does tolerate cold. It, it, it reduces? It, it reduces. reduces. It, 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 it reproduces. Reproduces. It reduces. So, it so reduces it reproduces by Bye. By seed or vegetative, it can tolerate cold, drought, poor soils, hard shade, but it prefers sun. So and I it's think yellow, and, and it's yellow, yellow. and it a also has that clematis. tap root, right? Remember that. That's why it needs a bit of protection in the summertime. It's got to have its roots. So, so, it's, always, so, it's, so it's typical clematis wants to have its roots cool. You got yeah. It. So well, always plant something under it. To perfect. Keep the roots Thank, cool. Thank you, Mom. GrowingSeasonCanada.com is the website. Click on contact. That's how to get in touch with us. All of your horticultural needs, be it landscape design, landscape consult, and landscape construction. And ladies and gentlemen. We are actually coming out of the woods. Uh, our first wave, pardon the pardon the usage of the word, but our first wave of landscape design is actually wrapping up. We are about to enter wave two. Now we do have a waiting list. There is a series of people waiting in wave two, but I would guess probably by about mid-July, we will be opening ourselves up again for landscape design. What's up, Dad? I was just remembering that. I was listening and they were talking to a doctor and they won, uh, one of the reporters asked him is how many more, he said, is there three more uh Shutdowns till Christmas. And the doctor says, I hope not. Yeah, I hope not too. Wow. All right, guys. If a green man lives in a greenhouse, and a yellow man lives in a yellow house, and a blue man lives in a blue house, who lives in the White House? Actually, <laughs> used to be an orange man, but he was forced to leave. <laughs> good, good riddance. Yeah, good riddance. Mom? Till next time, have a good one, and please be safe. Jack out. If you miss any part of our show today or any of our earlier broadcasts, don't panic. Just log on to our website at www.saga960am.ca backslash podcasts and look for and stream our podcasts of this show and any of our other great programs.